Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Happy Mother's Day or Mother's Weekend, depending on when you are watching today. For those who are celebrating with joy and happiness, we celebrate with you. And for those who find today or this weekend a little tough, who may be struggling or sad or feel burdened, know that we are praying for you and surrounding you with love and warmth and joy on this day or on this weekend. A few months ago when Matt was kind of parsing out the verses and parsing out this sermon series, he asked us what we wanted to be a part of, and I knew that I wanted to join in for this time in the Lord's Prayer, and specifically for these verses on our daily bread. It just so happened that these verses fell on Mother's Day. So we're not doing the whole throw the female pastor in the role for Mother's Day. It just so happened that it all aligned perfectly. As we dive in today and as we talk about our daily bread, let's start things off with prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can come and sit together and sit in front of you and before you, Lord. And as we celebrate this weekend, as we think about our moms and spend time with our moms or, or think about uh, women in our lives who fill that role, we just thank you for them, Lord, and for uh, how you bring people into our lives that fill our lives with love and joy. And Lord, as we dive into your word today, Lord, may your word soar and my words fall, Lord. We just thank you for all you're doing and we praise you today. Amen. Today, we are continuing in our series on the Lord's Prayer. Matt started the series two weeks ago, and Scott talked about it last week. And uh, I encourage you to check them out if you missed either of those two sermons. I'm not being paid to say it, but I can tell you that I really think that those two sermons, the one that Matt and Scott just did, are some of the best that I've heard on these verses. So I encourage you to check them out after, after this one. Two weeks ago, Matt began this series in the Lord's Prayer, this sub-series in the Lord's Prayer, by kind of dissecting the first few verses in Matthew. He talked about the who, what, where that Jesus talks about as Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer. And Matt covered the who and the where, talking about how we pray and adore uh, with God and how we talk to God in prayer. And he covered the where, the location of how we pray and what we think about when we pray. But he left the what kind of open, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. If I asked you what you pray for, what would you say? Can I give you the deep theological religious answer? The what that we pray for, the answer to what we pray, is that we pray for everything. Yeah, the answer to what is, is everything. You're welcome. We pray for and we consider everything in prayer. In times of crisis, in moments of stress, we pray. In moments of happiness and joy, we pray. When things are confusing and when our control meets the end, we pray. When that big test is coming up or when the guy you want to ask out is right in front of you, you pray. 
When we celebrate weddings and new life, we pray. The what question, when we talk about what we pray for, is everything. Today we're going to look at that what more deeply. We're going to look at what God reveals to us in Matthew 6 and find what, uh, what God wants us to hear and what God uh, listens for and responds to as we pray for our what. The overarching theme and the big idea today is that prayer is a daily thing and that when we talk to God each and every day, we get to bring our physical and our spiritual needs to God. We get to pray for our what our daily bread. We read in Matthew 6 this big idea of the daily bread, our what? In Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching and he takes a moment to talk about prayer. Some of it we talked about last week. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we, uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus' conversation around prayer here in Matthew begins with these three your clauses. Your hallowed name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It locates God and God's work and God's glory both in heaven and here on earth. The who and the where. And the prayer here in Matthew 6 and our prayer life begins and it seeks God's kingdom first. And then Jesus follows the your clauses with this recognition and a prayer for needs. The three clauses of God's glory are followed by three petitions or three requests. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us and lead us away from temptation. It's Jesus directly linking our prayers and our conversations of our, to our needs, the who and the where, followed by the what. How cool is that? That even in the structure that Jesus presents in this Matthew 6, the structure of Jesus' teachings, it begins with this conversation, not only of who God is and our love and worship for God, but also this recognition of our ability and our desire to pray for things that fill our hearts, that keep us up at night, the things that should be brought to God. The first of these petitions request is the daily bread. Which brings up some natural questions, right? Well, what does that actually mean? What is our daily bread? And what does it look like for us as individuals and as a community to pray for our daily bread? We're going to jump into the first question as we dive deep, deeper into this. What is daily bread? Scholars and uh, other people and theologians debate what the meaning of daily bread actually is. Most people think that the common understanding of like a daily ration or daily food is what is meant here. Daily bread being this sort of physical, tangible reality. But I think we can extend the definition to include something more. To include not only praying for our daily physical needs, but also for our spiritual needs. Jesus showing us that bread is physical and that bread is also spiritual. Jesus gives us an insight into what daily bread looks like. We're going to spend the rest of the time looking at both this physical and the spiritual reality of daily bread, seeing what it looks like for us to pray for it, and seeing what it looks like how, and how God responds to that prayer. 
When we first hear about daily bread, most of our minds probably go to the physical side of it, right? The most obvious. And through the Bible, we see this pattern of God supplying for the physical side of our daily bread. This pattern finds God delivering daily bread in a way that overflows. And it also finds God delivering daily bread uh, in ways that barely seem sufficient. In both ways, in the overflowing and in the barely there, God supplies the physical needs for the people. The most obvious story and the most Uh, obvious pattern of God supplying daily bread of the physical times is the way that God provides for the Israelites as they wander in the desert. Exodus 16 starts like this. It says, The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The story of God providing the daily bread for the Israelites starts with movement. The Israelites are traveling closer to this land that's been promised for them. And they journey and they move with God and towards God, but for them that wasn't enough. It's kind of like that kid in the backseat on a road trip, right? They're anxious and they're, they're complaining. In fact, Exodus tells us this. It says that the whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The Israelites had been delivered from Egypt, right? They had been given this promise of a new permanent place and yet their journey to get there was tough. It was a tough and a long journey. And so in the, in, amidst the daily repetition of the struggle, they forgot what God had done. In the midst of the hardship, they turned against God rather than turning towards God. And so here in this story in Exodus, they complained. They complained about their hunger, about their lack of their daily what. And the cool thing in this story is that God doesn't just leave them in the midst of their complaining. Instead, God hears them. In fact, in Exodus 16, it's written five times that God hears them. God hears their complaining. For me, I'm like, praise God that we have a God who hears us complain. God doesn't just hear them complains, but God moves from hearing to responding. We have a God who responds. And God speaks. We read that, Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. God gives this proclamation to Moses that God will supply the daily bread for the Israelites. And that the bread will fall like rain for the people each and every day. It's a gluten lover's dream. God hears them. And God speaks. And then in the rest of Exodus 16, God acts. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as the frost on the ground. Later in this chapter, we read that the house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and a taste of it was like wafers made with honey. For 40 years, the Israelites ate manna, 
until they reached uh, uh, what Exodus calls a habitable land. God provided in this story in Exodus. He physically provided. And God didn't just give them a few pieces. No, we read in this chapter that God provided so much that God actually told them to only collect what was needed. God flooded the lives of the Israelites with an overwhelming abundance of sweet, tasty bread. This physical overflowing was a reminder that, the, that God had preserved the Israelites, a daily reminder. It reminded them daily of their rescue. It reminded them daily of the way that God provided for them in and out of Egypt. And when the Israelites reached a location in which the bread was no longer needed, they filled their temple and their worship times with the bread of presence to continuously remind them and their community of the way that God provided their physical daily bread. I, when I was thinking about this story, am overwhelmed by it. I'm overwhelmed by the reminder of the way in which God provided so greatly for the physical needs of the Israelites. In their complaint of having nothing, God gave them an abundance. Some of us may relate to this story of God supplying daily bread in overwhelming ways. And while you probably haven't had the experience of God raining down food onto your lawn in a sort of cloudy with a chance of meatballs kind of way, perhaps in seasons of your life you have felt God give your daily bread in ways that is overwhelming. Maybe God has delivered and overflowed you with incredible blessings and overwhelming that satiates and satisfies your daily needs. What comes then is less of a prayer for the need and the the physical needs of the what, and rather what comes in your prayer is a grateful acknowledgement of the daily bread and a prayer for ways to respond to God's abundance. For some of us, this story of the Israelites and God overflowingly, abundantly giving daily bread seems foreign. Some of us may have been through seasons or in current seasons in which our physical needs don't feel like they're being met. The stress of daily life, of daily requirements pile up high and it causes us to question and pray for where God is and what God is doing in our lives. We often talk about daily bread when it comes to manna. But I found in thinking about this verse in Matthew and these stories in the Bible, these stories about daily bread, that there's also times in the Bible where God meets daily bread requirements and wants and what's in a way that barely seems to scrape the surface. But God still provides the daily need. As I was thinking about these types of stories in which God gives just enough, I was thinking about the book of Ruth. It's a personal favorite, so I always think about Ruth, but Ruth is also this story uh, in which God provided just enough daily bread. Ruth is also a part of Jesus' lineage, so, you know, Mother's Day. No, but Ruth's story is the story of journey. It's an interesting story in which God is never mentioned, but we see the hand of God in and through Ruth's actions. Through the chapters of Ruth, we see God guide and direct Ruth the presence and deliverance of God coming in small doses. And we see God providing Ruth with daily bread in Ruth chapter 2. Here's what that chapter says. It says, Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. 
And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I I may find favor. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. Ruth went and followed behind the gleaning. She picked up the bits that had fallen but not been picked by the workers. Unlike the Israelites who had this abundance of manna raining from heaven, Ruth picked up her daily bread, one seed, one grain at a time. This work was hard and tireless and laborious. In fact, later on in Ruth 2, we see Boaz speaking to his men, and they say this about Ruth. They say, she has been on her feet from early this morning until now without resting, even for a moment. Boaz, seeing her actions, seeing her struggle, he says this, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young men. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Boaz, in this moment, opens his fields and gives Ruth access to glean more. I think that in these short verses in Ruth, we see that her story is a story of daily bread, but it's a, it's a story in which the physical needs were met one piece at a time, one module of grain at a time. Grain by grain, Ruth gleaned and harvested enough for Naomi. And in the midst of that grain by grain process, she interacted with Boaz, who would later become her partner, and together they would produce a son who would be a part of the lineage of Jesus. While God was obviously a little less overt in what he was doing uh, for Ruth than what he had done in the Israelites, to me this story in Ruth is still a story of God's movement, of God providing the what? God's bringing Ruth and Naomi to a land where they had family ties. These fields being open to those who needed gleaning. Ruth interacting with Boaz. All moments where the hand of God is evident. Ruth, while in a different situation and in different circumstances, still has this hinting of God being near and present in the cultivation of daily physical bread. I don't know about you, but when I read these two stories of God's overwhelming physical, overwhelming abundance, and then the sort of scarcity, uh, I find that in my life I've had more seasons like Ruth than I have had with the Israelites. Seasons when I've prayed earnestly for manna and, and God's just given me small gleaning pockets. So if you find yourself sitting here today and you say, I don't understand the Israelites, but I understand Ruth, I just wanted to give a little encouragement for you. I truly believe that God is hearing and acting for your what. And that God is somehow in the midst of your search for daily bread. Daily bread in its physical form, as we see in these patterns in the Bible, can come in overflowing, abundant ways. And it can also come in a way that is just enough. But in the midst of all that, God and the God in the Bible and the God in our lives is a, is a God who supplies our daily physical bread. The daily physical what? And so Jesus placing the prayer for the daily bread as this central part of the passage helps us to understand and see how we can actively engage each and every day in prayer for our physical needs. Our What? knowing that God hears and provides just as God heard and provided for the Israelites and for Ruth. 
And as we pray, when things overflow, we get to pray for ways to not see the bread as our own making. We get to see for ways to not store up and hoard bread. We get to see the overflowing as a way for us to pray and surrender the abundance into what God wants us and into God's hands. And when the bread is small, when our uh, needs go from the overflowing manna to the daily gleaning, our prayers can also shift. And we get to pray and trust that even in the scarcity that God is hearing and acting for our daily bread, for our physical needs. This pattern, this reality of God supplying for our physical needs is just a piece of what I think Jesus uh, says when he talks about daily bread. Daily bread is physical, but there's also a piece of daily bread that is spiritual. Jesus placing this daily bread in a prayer, moving us to reflect on both the, the physical and the spiritual. And just as there are patterns for the physical in the Bible, so we also see these patterns or Jesus hinting at the spiritual side of daily bread. We see it in John 6, which I have now started calling the bread chapter. John 6 starts like this. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up to the mountains and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up, he saw a large crowd coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for, the, for these people to eat? Imagine the scene. Right? Jesus and his disciples are traveling over land and over water. And as they travel, a group of people are joining in because they are seeing and hearing the things that Jesus is doing. And they, as a community, find themselves on a hill overlooking the sea. The grass sways and the light filters over the water, and they get hungry. So the disciples naturally look over the crowd, and knowing that the crowd is gathering on this holy day, this season of Passover, they look to feed those people that are with them. Jesus surveys the crowd, and they look to find bread. We know the story kind of in between the verses we're going to read later in this one. In this story, the disciples don't buy bread. They don't find it. Rather, Jesus, in a moment of miracle, takes a meal from a boy and he multiplies it. And we read that Jesus feeds them and he feeds them in abundance. But Jesus isn't done yet with the bread. Jesus moves from this physical giving to the spiritual side of our daily bread. It's going to be a very long passage, so let's read it together. Jesus begins teaching once again in John 6, and he says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for, the, for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe it? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it was written, he gave them the bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
And because people sometimes need to hear something twice, Jesus again, and a few, verse la- a few verses later says this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and, the- and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I don't want to pass over this passage too quickly. So let's pause and just read it again and hear what Jesus is saying about the daily bread. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. I think that in these verses, Jesus took this physical, intimate relationship and reality between God and God's people, this thing that we saw in Exodus and Ruth and throughout the Old Testament, and then Jesus continues it. Not only does Jesus feed the people physically in John 6, but Jesus extends the understanding of daily bread. Jesus demonstrates and says that, yes, I can and I will supply for your physical daily needs, but I will also be there for your spiritual needs. It's in daily communion with Jesus in our prayer and worship filled life that we are filled. It's in spending time with God, with God's word, with God in prayer that our hunger is satisfied. Jesus, the bread of life, meeting our daily spiritual needs. I find that this prayer that Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6 is a prayer that hopefully prompts us to bring our deep and important physical needs to God. And I hope that this prayer also prompts us daily to include what our hearts and our souls and our spiritual lives need as we journey with Christ. The daily bread of the spiritual helps us heal from shame or guilt. We get to pray that joy replaces our stress and our anxiety. That wholeness is brought to us in parts that are broken. This is our daily bread. Matthew 6 is more than a structure. It's more than a rule book. It's an invitation for us to each and every day engage with our Lord. Asking God for our physical and spiritual needs, knowing that God responds as we pray or complain, as we bring what's on our hearts and minds to God. Who knew that one tiny verse could reveal so much? As some of you know, I uh, predominantly work with students and kids, and when I was teaching students on Sunday morning, I used to end every lesson or every sermon with a challenge. And while you are much older and and much smarter than our kids and students, we're going to end today in the same way. I'm going to give you one challenge for this week. This week, whenever you eat something that has carbs in it, bread, rice, noodles, cereal, anything bready, I want you to take a second. And I want you to do a check-in with God. Your challenge, my challenge, is to actually pray for our daily bread. So when you're eating your bread, check in. See what your physical or spiritual needs are in that moment and talk to God about it.
Let's as a community see how God interacts in our lives as we seriously and actively engage in prayer for our what? For our daily bread. If you need more specific prayer or if God is prompting you to pray for something, please make sure you reach out to our prayer team or to myself and we would love to be praying for you this week. Friends, God in this chapter in Matthew 6, in these few verses and throughout the Bible, opens up an opportunity for us to pray for our physical and spiritual needs, our what. And I encourage you this week to talk to God about the things that are on your heart and on your mind, the physical and the spiritual. I encourage you to bring your daily bread before God. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.